We're talking about Zechariah today, so in your Bibles, go to Zechariah, okay? He's a prophet of God. Last week we talked about Hosea. We're going to talk about this idea, and uh, he's, uh, he's a prophet to God and uh, to Israel, right? And, and his message is a call to come back to God, which is, fits our theme, right? Return to the Lord. And his book speaks about judgment, his book speaks about hope, and his book also speaks, in his book he speaks about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, one day would come. It's, it's after the captivity, They've been, uh, Israel has been in bondage for 70 years, they're back from bondage, some of them, and, uh, and Zechariah is going to speak to the people of God that have come back from captivity and wandering, and at, at a time when Jerusalem and the temple are still in ruins, and the people in Zechariah's time, they are weak. They're weak, and they're, they're, they're unfocused, and they're spiritually wandering. And his message to them is, is to come back to the Lord. To come back to the Lord. You know, they, they may not even realize that they have wandered away, but, but his message is come back. His name means, his name means, get this, remembered of the Lord. That the Lord remembers his people. The name Zechariah means remembered of the Lord. His very name means that God has not forgotten his people. It's a beautiful message. Most of the first half of the book is about all these visions and dreams that Zechariah has. It all have these interesting meanings. But his book is basically a callback. And it seems clear as you read through the book that the Lord is doing something new, something, something brand new in the life of, of Israel, something new, something fresh among his people. And things are about to get really interesting in Israel. It's almost like a brand new year has come. A fresh start has dawned, right? This new day is, and hope is in the air. And so we ask ourselves, what could possibly, what could possibly in all of what God wants to do and his love for his people, what could possibly derail what God is up to? What could possibly derail? what the Lord wants to do? That's a good question, isn't it? What could possibly derail what the Lord would want to do in his people? What could, well, just let that sink in a minute. What could possibly derail what God wants to do? So we're in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1. Look what it says. I'm going to try to hustle because i got a lot of meat and potatoes here. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Ido. I hope you're there. I hope you got your Bibles open. You're looking at your Bible because I'm going to talk about these verses, these next few verses, six verses. And, and it's going to be really helpful if you're looking at them. I know they're on the screen, but it'll be more helpful if you got your Bibles, if you have them open and you're highlighting things and underlining things and circling things because God wants to speak to you this morning in this word right now. I mean, this is, this is really, really good stuff. I hope you're digging in with me. So it's the second year of King Darius. He's the king of, he's the Persian king, right? King of Persia. It's the second year in the eighth month of his rule. And during that time, back in the day, God comes and he, and he speaks. The word of the Lord comes to the prophet Zechariah. Okay, look, notice the, that right there, that thought right there. The word came to God's prophet. Right? Because this is how God works. 
The word, the word of the Lord came to God's prophet. The, the word of God doesn't always speak to the prophet, but at this particular time, the word of the Lord came to God's prophet. Because a lot of times we wonder, God, how, what do you want me to do? Right? We ask ourselves, God, I'm just not sure what you want from me, what you want me to do with my life, or what you want me to do as I move forward. I'm not, I'm not, I need to hear you. You know, we all ask that question, God, speak to my heart. We, we sing these songs of God speaking and leading us and drawing us and, and, and using us. But, but sometimes we find ourselves asking, God, how do you do that? And, and this is a little glimpse into how God does that. The word of the Lord comes to God's prophet. Zechariah. And this is how God works. At times he speaks and at times he prompts us, right? Not continually, but he just speaks to us along the way. This is how he works. Not at every step of our lives, but at key steps of our life, he speaks to us. And when we're finding ourselves asking the question, God, I just want to hear from you. I just need to know what you want from me. The answer is just wait. Just wait and stay focused on the Lord. You know, just stay right there. Wait for him. And what he'll do is he'll give you a key piece of the plan for your life. And by that plan, you'll be able to figure out how all the other pieces fit together. This is what God did through Zechariah. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah and God used his man to do what he wanted him to do and God gave him the peace. All he had to do is just wait and in time God will speak to his faithful servant who is waiting. Right? As we wait, God will speak. And so the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah, his dad is Berechiah. His grandpa is Ido, and that's important because these are his ancestors, right? This is his father. This is his grandpa, just like you and I have fathers, and we have grandpas and great-grandpas, and we have a generation of people behind us. And, 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 and if the Lord waits long enough, we'll have a generations of ancestors, but our ancestors will be uh, ahead of us, right? So there's this flow. This is a real person. His name is Zechariah. He's got a dad. He's got a grandpa, just like you. Just like me. And the word of the Lord came to him. He's a special guy because he is a prophet of God's. And so the word comes to Zechariah. He's God's prophet. And a prophet simply means a, a, a person that God has called and God speaks through. He speaks different things through. He speaks words of warning for God's people. He speaks words of judgment for God's people and for the surrounding nations. He speaks words of warning through his prophet. He speaks words of encouragement through his prophet. He is called by God. You, you might just say that a prophet is God's spokesman. That's what a prophet is. Called by God to speak for God. He is the voice of God to the people around him. That's a prophet. That's what a prophet is. And so the word of the Lord comes to God's prophet. Right? Verse 2. The Lord was very angry. Get this. I hope you're looking at this. The Lord was very angry with our ancestors. Who are they? Well, we just mentioned his dad and his grandpa and the generations prior to them. The Lord was angry with them. Get that. The word of the Lord comes to Zechariah, God's prophet, and the word is not good. This is not a good word. The word is God is not happy with his ancestors. You know, this, this, this also gives to us this sense 
of why we call God Father. Because he has emotions. He feels. He's not just some God, mechanical, machinery, computer God up in the sky. He's not the guy behind the curtain. He is God the Father who has feelings and, and, and has emotion. And we call him Daddy because he loves us like like, like we kind of relate our dad does, right? He's, he's a God who feels, and he has expectations of his children. And the scripture says, the Lord was very angry with your ancestors. And this gives us a little, uh, just a little warning right here as we kind of get into these verses, and that is this, we need to beware. Beware of the world, because God is angry with the ancestors for a reason, and we're going to un pack that here in a second but the world the world is trying very desperately to lure you away right to provide you with all kinds of alternative ways to live to provide you with all kinds of pleasures to pull you away from God and from the things that are most important in this life and in eternity the world, the evil one, is trying to lure you away with even things that seem good. And the sad thing is, the world uses, the evil one uses even our children to get us so occupied that we don't have time for the things that are most eternal and most important. Beware. Beware. This is why God was angry with the people long ago. All right? Beware. Be very careful how you're living. That's why a new year gives us a chance to really, really evaluate. What am I doing? Am I putting the things that are most eternally important first? Are they the priority of my life? Or I have, allowed, have I allowed the, the evil one in the world to suck me away from, from gathering with God's people, from worshiping the Lord, from teaching each other, from helping each other grow in the Word, working with the next generation of young people, helping them know Jesus? Or am I so busy chasing the things of the world that I don't have time for the things that are most important? The Lord is very angry with our ancestors. Verse 3, Therefore, he says, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Okay, this is, this is the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah, the prophet. He's not happy with the ancestors, so here we go, Zechariah. This is a new day. Tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. And there it is. Return to me. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. You return to me, and I'll return to you. That's what God says. That's, that's conditional, isn't it? See, because God loves us, he wants the best for us, he, he sent his son for us, but he will not force us or make us want him. But if we want him, he will be there for us. And he says to them, return to me, and I will return to you. It's a call to us, two-way two -way street, right? This is a relationship that God wants to have with us. He's angry because he's a person, and he loves us, but he wants the relationship to be an equal relationship between two people who want it. It's a contract, a covenant between two parties. And God wants us to want it as well. And if we don't want it, then that's fine. But God says, you return to me and I'll return to you. Okay, Verse 4, look what he says. 
do not, he goes on, do not be like our, your ancestors. There they are again, right? Dad and grandpa and those before him. Do not be like them, learn from them, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Okay? To their ancestors, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are, verse 5, where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Now he says a mouthful there. Look at all the things that he says in those verses 4, 5, and 6. The first part of verse 6. He says, don't be like them. The prophets proclaimed to them, the Lord said to them, turn, and they didn't. And now Zechariah is talking to his people and he's saying, look, we've got to learn from them, turn. And they don't. And now the Lord's speaking to you and me today saying, return. And the question mark remains, will we? Will we return to the Lord? Or will we just keep doing things the way we do them? And it's even deeper than that. It's more than just doing what you want. It's so much more than that. He says at the end of verse 6 there, or at the middle of verse 6, overtake your ancestors. Look what, that, look what he's saying there. But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Think about that for a minute. There's two thoughts right here. First is this, is this idea of overcoming your ancestors, that it came to pass, that what God had said came to pass, just like God said it would. That if you don't honor, if you don't come back, if you don't return, what I'm telling you is going to happen will happen, and it does happen. Israel is in Egypt as slaves for years. The attacking nations, once they entered the promised land, constantly badgering and picking on them and leading them away and, and bringing their false idols in and tearing up God's people. And as time went on, because of their rebellion and their disobedience and they, their will, unwillingness to return to the Lord, the northern kingdom is, is invaded by Assyria and led off into captivity. And the southern kingdom, because now it's divided, is led off by Babylon. For 70 years, they're in, in slavery. All because they didn't listen to the prophet's words, return to the Lord. The second thought in this is that, that God's word never took root. Look what he says here, verse 6. Look at those words again. But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded the servants' prophets, overtake your ancestors? My word never took root in your hearts. Okay, look what he's saying. It never became their own. They never, they never were all in. They were just part in and part out. They wanted the best of both worlds. And because of it, they were destroyed and they perished. And they were invaded and beaten and taken away into captivity. Because the word of God and the Lord himself never became all that they were and all that they are and all that they wanted to be. Are we beginning to get a taste, at least a little bit, of the problem here? The problem that Zechariah is dealing with with the people of Israel and the past generations have dealt with all through time. The stubbornness, this stubbornness of their heart and their mind is their downfall of the past generations. And what the stubbornness 
is, is not that they didn't know the history. They knew, you know, in Zechariah's time, they knew that God was the creator of the universe. They had that down. They knew that God led his people up out of Egypt. They had that down. But what they were stubborn about was following God in the present. They knew all the history. They just weren't being faithful in the present. See, it's really easy for us as a church to learn all the books, learn who wrote the books and why they wrote the books. We're good about knowing the, the, the New Testament church and the book of Acts. Wonderful. God wants to work in our lives today. It, he's not going to ask you, you're not going to get to heaven, he's going to quiz you on the Old Testament. He's going to quiz you on, were you faithful in your life? On the earth. And that's all that will matter to him. Is Are you faithful? Are you walking with me now? Not did you know the history books. He doesn't care. What he cares about is our faithfulness in the present. And see, that's, that's where their stubbornness got them into trouble. They would Look at the verses. They would not listen or pay attention. Not to what they were being taught, but to what God was trying to do in them right now. They would not listen or pay attention. And Zechariah is calling them to return to the Lord. And again, they're not going to listen and they're not going to pay attention, just like generation after generation. Because what we really want, most people, is, re is religion. What we want is to just know a bunch of stuff so we feel like we know God. And what God wants is to know if we want to follow him now, in the present, right? That's what he wants. See, Hosea said that their sin was their downfall. Does this, any of this sound familiar? Because we're, we're not much different in our day. We're not much different. We're testing, angering, and pushing, ignoring, any of those things. Doing that to the Lord is always a losing scenario, right? That verse 5, look what he said. Where are your, look what he says, where are your ancestors now? Hey, where are your ancestors now? There it is. Where are your ancestors now? And where are the prophets? Hmm? That's a good question. Where are they? Do they live forever? And the answer, his point, no. No, they don't. They don't live forever. They are dead. They are buried. And their bones are rotting to this day. That's the point he's trying to make. They were human and their lives were snuffed out. Not just their lives, but their hopes and their dreams were cut short, many of them before their time, because of their rebelliousness. They would not come back to the Lord. They didn't want to follow God in the present. They were too content with doing their thing, their way. But look what he says here. He says, where are they, your ancestors now? And, and where are the prophets? Do they live for our... And his point is this. They are dead, but not my words. God is eternal. And everything connected to God will live forever. It will stand forever. The things of God are eternal and they're true and they're right. And when God speaks, it's not just a sure thing, but it's a forever thing. And compared to the humanness of this world, God is eternal and everything else is temporary. Where are your ancestors now? Where are the prophets now? Do they live forever? No, they don't. But the word of the Lord does. And when we connect ourselves to him, 
we connect ourselves to the only thing that is eternal. See, it's a, it's a wisdom thing. Returning to the Lord is about wisdom, right? It's about, you know, we, we live in such a smart society. We live in a smart part of the country. We've got all these colleges around us, real smart intellectual people. Right? Returning to the Lord is about that. It's about being smart. It's about being wise. It's weighing, right? It's weighing the temporality of planet Earth versus the eternal ways and words and will of God. One is temporary, one is forever. And we get so wrapped up in the one that is temporary. And we neglect the one that's eternal. Returning to the Lord is about being smart enough to realize that the stuff of the world doesn't matter, right? But Jesus is all that matters. And so the people, they had to decide, and you and I, we must decide too, will we continue in 2018 to do it our way? Or will we get right? Will we line ourselves up right with God? Verse 6 continues, look what it says. Then they repented. This is the good news, here we go. Then they repented and they said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and our practices deserve, just as he determined to do. They finally get it, right? They finally realize that we have been wrong so long, we we have neglected to really return to the Lord. We know the history, but we aren't following God and being faithful in the present. And we need to get that right, right now. And so they returned to the Lord. And verse 6 says, they repented. And they said, Lord Almighty has done just what he said he determined to do. Get this. Returning to the Lord means repentance. Returning to the Lord means repentance. True Pure repentance. Hosea last week said that returning to the Lord is coming clean. It's humbling ourselves. It's coming to Him with words. We confess from our heart that we need you, God. That we have sinned against you and I, I, I need you. I have a need in my life for you, Lord. The leper came and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he praised the Lord and he gave thanks. And to that, Zechariah today adds, returning to the Lord means repentance. We repent, that we come back to God. So what is repentance and what does it look like? I want to I kind of wrap this up with three big truths about repentance, okay? Here we go. Number one, repentance has to do with an attitude and our mind. It has to do with an attitude and our mind, okay? It's the, the publican in Luke 18 who beat his chest and cried out to God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? Who in humility refused to even look toward heaven because he truly understood who he was in comparison to who God is. And in his mind, he understood, and in his attitude, he humbled himself. See, repentance is we, we, we get our mind right. Right? It's realizing that Jesus, when he came to the earth and he began to teach, he called people right to repent for the kingdom of God is near. That was his first message. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Change your mind. Change your attitude. And he appeals in doing so to our intellect. This is not a blind faith. This is God calling his people to think, to use your brains, to make a decision that will last forever. He calls us to change our minds, to change the attitude of our mind, the transforming and the renewing of your mind. 
See, repentance is that we get our mind right with God, that we think straight, that we know the word, that we know God, that we're, we're in tune with him. And then when the things of this world come up against us, we can stand tall in the midst of all of the dust. And we can stand tall and know with our minds that this is right, even if I don't feel like it. Even if the pleasures are pulling me in other directions, with my mind, I know what is true and what is right and what is godly, and I'm going to do that. Even if no one else is. All right? Repentance is the changing of our mind and our attitude. Number two, repentance has to do with our heart. It has to do with our heart. Right? It's, it's David, right? Crying out to the Lord after David's downfall. King David saying, create in me a clean heart, O God. Right? It's not just about our intellect and our thinking, but it's about our feeling and our emotion and our passion, and it's this desire to come clean and to have a clean heart before God and to change the way our heart thinks and the way our heart feels and line it up with God. Repentance is coming to God with all of our heart. That's what communion is all about. Right? This, this is what communion is all about. And thank you, Nathan, for sharing today. Communion is about, it's about a clean heart, right? It's about a clean heart. It's, a, it's about whoever eats and drinks of the blood and the body of Christ in an unworthy way is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Christ. It's a call to, to, to evaluate. It's a call to examine ourselves. Communion is about soul searching our lives and our heart. It's doing an evaluation on, on how we're thinking and feeling and, and, and what's driving us in our lives and, and how we have come up short in our, our willingness to, to ask God for forgiveness and come clean. Right? Repentance is about a change of our heart. It's about a change, changing of our mind. It's about a changing of our heart. And third, it's about a changing of our behavior. If it doesn't go to our behavior, it isn't repentance. It's got to start in our mind. It's got to start in the way we think, and it's got to impact our heart, and then it's got to impact our actions, our behavior. In Acts 3, Peter, after healing the lame beggar, remember that? We talked about that for a while. He's talking now to his fellow Israelites shortly after this healing, and they're all questioning him. He's talking, did you get it, to his fellow Israelites. This is the same group of people that eight months, two years, in the year of King Darius, Zechariah 520 B.C., spoke to and said nearly the same thing. Right? Generation after generation after generation just don't get it. They're being called all through time to return to the Lord, and everyone thinks they are, but nobody is. We know the right history, but we're not too willing to follow God into the present. Because that takes faith. That takes following the, the steps of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to go there. That's scary. It's easier just to turn around and learn all the past and, 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 and think we're okay because we know all the past. But God isn't concerned about you knowing the past. He's concerned about you being faithful every step of your life. That's what he wants out of us, right? And repentance has to lead to behavior. And, 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 and Peter is talking to his fellow Israelites who've heard this message time and time again. But what this shows us again is this is the patience and the long-suffering of our God. Isn't he awesome? The people don't get it, but God still loves them. I mean, he loves us. 
He loves us. And his love like, has no expiration date. He just loves because he is love. And he loves you and he's ready to forgive you. But you have to come to him if you want him to come to you. Right? We, we have to meet him. We have to meet him in the middle. His mercy is new every morning. And he instructs us. He even commands us to return to him. And there is no negotiating here. We don't get to, we don't get to make up our rules or do it our way. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, look what Paul says. Paul says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. To repent. Everywhere. All people. He commands us to repent. See, his mercy, God's mercy, it leads us to what? Repentance. And when we repent, he pours more mercy on us. See, that, what that is is the good news within the good news. The good news is God sent His Son. He loves you. The better news is that He's patient with you. And when you walk away, you can come back and He's going to love you and pour more mercy and more healing and more love on you. In Acts 3.19, our passage on our banner, here's what it says. Peter says, Peter says to his fellow Israelites, return then, return then to God, right? Return then to the Lord. That's what this is all about. Return to the Lord. In our own hearts, return to the Lord. Whatever it is you're doing with your life, stop and return to the Lord. If what you're doing was right, he'll help you realize that and you'll move, keep moving. But return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Turn to God and your, that your sins may be, he says, wiped out. Right? Do this about face. Turn and return so that your sins can be cleansed and wiped out. The times of refreshing or a newness or this do-over, this fresh new start will come. May come. It will come. It's a promise that it'll come. Promise secured and sealed by the blood of Jesus. That your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from where? From the one that we return to. The Lord. That's what they're going to come from. They're going to come from him. So number three, repentance is all about our behavior, right? It's all about our actions. It's all about what we're doing with our life. It begins with our, our mind and our attitude, and it flows from our heart, but it's made complete in the way that we live our lives. Repentance is about changing our behavior. It's about turning and returning to the Lord in every area of our life. Total surrender to God giving him all that we are. And so we, we stop doing things our way, right? We pursue God's way. Scripture says we produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is about bearing fruit. Without repentance, there's no fruit, okay? So the fruit comes because we repent. We hit the brakes. We do this U-turn, right? We do this U-turn. We stop shooting at the wrong basket. We stop running around the bases the wrong way. Have you ever turned on a road only to figure out that you are on a one way and you're going the wrong way? Have you ever done that? Anybody? Man, I've done that more than once. That's scary, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're thinking, man, what am I doing? What am I going to do? My first thought is I hope no cops are watching this. You know, I'm like, man, I got to turn around quick. See, that's repentance. You're going the wrong way. And one day God reveals you're on the wrong road going the wrong way. You've been thinking you've been doing it right all this time, and you're lost. You've been thinking this is what's really important, and it's not. And it's time to get on the right way. 
It's time to do a U-turn. That's repentance. And every one of us need to do that here today. I do. I do. In Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus said, get these words, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish forever. Unless we repent, we will perish. Those are Jesus' words to the religious leaders of the day because they refused to turn to God. They refused. It's not an option. This, this repenting is a continual thing that we do. It's not a one-time event that we repent and we change our lives and we get baptized into Jesus and all is good. No, it's not all good. It's just the beginning. And Tomorrow, when you wake up and you realize you're doing things wrong, you change that. You change by changing your mind and your heart and your actions. And we're constantly living in this way of repenting and changing what we're doing and surrendering it all back to God. We all need to do that. We all need to repent. Remember what Zechariah said? Return to the Lord when he called them to return to the Lord. Look at verse 6, the second part of verse 6. It says, then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and our practices deserve just as he determined to do. You know what that is? That's them taking ownership. It's them realizing we have messed up. I have messed up. I have failed. I have missed the mark and I am coming back to God. Because he's the only one I'm really, in the end, responsible to. Or the one I will answer to for eternity. I am coming to him. And when I get my relationship right with him, everything else will find its place. And they realized that. They repented. And they said, look what they said. The Lord Almighty has done to us. He has allowed all these things to happen to us just as he determined to do. Check that out. Just think about that as we wrap this up. See, what they realized is that the Lord is not just God, because he is. And he's not just the final authority and the word made flesh, because he is. And he's not just true and right and perfect, because he is. But that what he has determined, whatever he has set in motion, whatever God has planned, whatever God has purposed, whatever he has thought to do whatever he has determined or designed will happen it's written in stone it will overtake you or you will fall under it you choose i choose we choose see it will happen and no force no force will stop it no force in all of the universe will stop it what god has determined is the amen of god it's going to happen just like God says. You aren't going to change it. You either surrender to him and return to him and fall under his leadership and lordship, or you will get crushed by it. And they finally got it. And so they did the only thing that they could do, right? Just like us. They did the only thing they could do. Look what they did. They repented. No, go back. They repented. They changed their attitude and their mind and their heart and their life, and they came clean with God. They returned to the Lord. That's what they did. It's the only thing we can do. There is no hope anywhere else. Return to the Lord. Repent, Jesus said, or you will perish. They got it. They did it. What about us? What about us?